2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're in our series called Forward. Forward. Four steps to moving forward uh, this year. Four steps to moving forward in your new year in 2016. And um, I want to remind you as well that we are on the Version Bible app. If you have that Version, which I, I want to say it's over like 200 million downloads or something. It's, that's, in, that's pretty awesome that God's Word is getting that kind of credibility even on smartphones and iPads. But if you have that app on your phone or your iPad or whatever, you can follow along with today's message, our words, our uh, points, our verses. Um, you can keep right up with us. But we have been uh, dissecting what it takes to move forward in our life, what it takes to progress, what it takes to continue moving. Um, here's one thing that I've learned about life is that uh, moving forward doesn't happen on accident. Um, and then there's another thing that I've also recognized, that if you're not moving forward, you're a lot of times moving backwards. Very rarely just stay in the same place. I've learned this in the gym, uh, you know, working out and being consistent, and then I might take a month off or two months or a year or, you know, whatever that break looks like. Uh, but I found that when I go back in the gym, I'm not able to pick up where I left off. And I feel like that's the same thing with my life sometimes. I, I was in the Word consistently, and I broke off. I, I became inconsistent, and I didn't pick up. It, it got harder for me to be in the Word for the length of time or even get as much out as I was getting before. I, I've learned that when there's a break, you have to work to get back just to where you left off last time. And so... Um, we want to know how to move forward. We want to know how to increase. We want to know how to progress. We want to know how to add. These are the words that I think identify um, a lot of our conversations um, at the beginning of a new year like this. And, um, you know, I told you originally I was going to just cover this in the first Sunday of 2016. I just felt there was more to it than that. And so we've been drawing it out over these uh, few weeks beginning of this year. And we started off with expectation. Expectation. First step you've got to have if you're going to move forward in anything that God has for you is an expectation. Because I've learned this, that you get what you expect. So if you expect something, you get something. If you expect nothing, well, then you get nothing. And uh, I know that we have resolutions. I know that we have wishes and dreams and maybe even goals. But we learned in our first week that an expectation is more than just a wish or a dream. It's confidence, not in the process, but in the product. That what, I, what God has spoken over me was for the end, not just for the beginning. That even though I'm going through it, and even though the experience may alter and may turn out different than what I was expecting, the end result will still be the same. We looked at Lazarus, and we saw that Jesus spoke when uh, messengers came to him, disciples came to him, and they said, hey, your friend, the one you love, Lazarus, uh, he's uh, near death. He's so sick that he's about to die. Will you come? And he said, uh, this sickness will not be unto death, but it will be to the glory of God. And then he went about his business. 
And the messengers thought, okay, let's go. We got to go. It's a cool sentence. You know, glory to God, great, awesome. Let's go. And he waited four days. Four days to even make it to Lazarus. Why? Because Jesus spoke the end from the beginning. And see, he's spoken the end from the beginning over your life. But some things might die in between. Do you hear me? Some things might not go exactly to plan. And, and, and Martha said this, Lord, if you would have just been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, that's not what I said. You didn't hear me. I said, this sickness is not unto death, meaning he may die, but that's not the end. See, you need to know this year that even though some things may die, and even though some things might digress and move backwards, that's not the end. The expected end is the same. We talk a lot about faith, and we believe, and we believe in something we cannot see. But we don't give as much attention to hope. Look at your neighbor and say, get your hopes up. Come on, look at them and say, get your hopes up. Because if you don't have your hopes up, faith has nothing to attach to. And the definition of hope is a confident expectation. That's hope. That's hope. So if I don't have a confident expectation in anything, I can have all the faith in the world, and my faith can't attach to any expectation of what the outcome might actually be. So I'm not going to re-preach my first message, but uh, they are all online. You can catch them and, 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 and go out throughout this year and keep them in front of you because you're going to come across sometimes where your expectation changes according to your experience. Remember we said that your experience does not dictate your expectation. The process might look different, but all things work together for good. To those who love them. We talked last week about preparation. Preparation. The first one was expectation. But if you are going to see any progress in your life, you're going to have to prepare for it. You're going to have to prepare yourself. Uh, we saw where Jesus fed the 5,000. And before uh, he did the miracle, before that miracle showed up, he had them all break up and sit down in groups of 50. Why? Because God can't bless a mess. And there are some things that you just might have to get in order this year. Uh, you got a financial expectation, but it might require us to prepare some things. And look, failure is where limitations show up. Uh, uh, preparation is where limitations show up. But you would rather fail on the practice field than fail on the playing field. Amen? I, I would rather get past the limitations. I'd rather get past the failure when I'm uh, practicing and in my warm-ups and, and my preparation defines my expectation. If you really expect that thing to happen, you would prepare. If you really expected to win the Super Bowl, then you would prepare like you want to win the Super Bowl. If you really expect your finances to, to be in a different situation in December of 2016 than they were in December of 2015, then there's some preparation. We ought to be able to see you getting things in order. Things ought to... We ought to be able to look at you and say, man, he's getting ready. He's preparing for something. I don't know what it is. I don't know what his expectation is, but I can see that there's something going on. You can tell when someone's got a, a World Series on their mind uh, right now, February and March, the teams that the baseball teams that are getting together and showing up at spring training ready and going over the fundamental drill. And look, practice is routine. That's why you get good at it. Practice makes perfect. Remember we said this, preparation makes 
proficient. You become proficient at the things you do over and over and over. And I know it's boring. I know it's the same old thing. I know it feels like we're not getting anywhere. But you will see that your preparation is just, it's recording in you what's necessary when the battlefield shows up. And so we've got to have preparation. And then today, we're going to look at our third step to moving forward, and that is initiation. Initiation. Or you could just use the word action. And this is probably the one that I think we need to focus on the most this year. Um, Because, again, setting goals and resolutions and wishes and dreams and even hopes and having faith that those things will come to pass is nothing without works. The Bible said that your faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Could you imagine having faith and it's dead? You can have faith, but it's dead. That word dead actually means incomplete, inactive, and unfruitful. When someone is dead, they are incomplete, they are inactive, and they are unfruitful, meaning they produce nothing. And your faith, you have all the faith in the world. Everyone's been given a measure of faith. You could develop and increase your faith, but without putting action to it, we won't see any results from it. And so we've got to look at how are we going to act on what we're believing for. How are we going to initiate the things that we intend to see? Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren... We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. What he's doing is he's talking to the church at Corinth, and uh, he's saying, hey, we need some help. Uh, The church here in Jerusalem needs some help, needs some funds. And uh, let me just tell you what the church at Macedonia did. He's kind of pinning them up against another church saying, hey, uh, let, he's kind of creating like this competitive margin here saying, this is what they did. Let's see what you can do. And in verse uh, 2, he says, in a great trial of affliction and the uh, abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Did you know you could be liberal? Liberality is not defined by what you have. It's defined by what you do with what you have. Liberality is, uh, generosity is not defined by what's in my hand. Generosity is defined by what's in my heart. Come on, you you hearing me this morning. That what you give out and what you put out this year is not going to just be defined by, well, this is, I mean, we can all find limitations. It's it's not hard to find problems. In fact, I, I have found this, that we don't find problems. Problems find us. Come on, anybody agree with me? I don't even have to go search for them. They, oh, there, there's a problem. There's an issue. Uh, the problem might find you, but you were designed to find the solution, to find the answer, to solve the problem. And this year, I think we need to be problem solvers. And so uh, he says that even though there was deep poverty, they abounded in the riches of their liberality. That's interesting. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, And beyond their ability. Why beyond their ability? Because they practice. Practice is where you get beyond your ability. Training is where you get beyond your ability. Preparation. Look, if there's no preparation, you have no confidence on the playing field of what you really can do. 
right? You, you'll get out there in game time, and you won't know what, you, what you're really capable. Well, we've never run that route. I don't know if we can do that. I, 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 I've never hit that kind of pitch. I've never uh, stolen a base. I, I've never performed like that. So I don't know. But when you've prepared and you've practiced, man, it gives you all the confidence in the world that when game time shows up, bring it on. I've got this. I've been, this is, I know this like the back of my hand. I've been running this route. I've been running this play. We've got this thing down. So it says beyond their ability. They were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. What's he saying? Church at Macedonia, they wanted to give to the church of Jerusalem so bad they came begging us, can we please give? Can we please give? Now, I'm not talking about giving and finances today. I want you to see a principle here. So don't leave yet. Don't tune out. I'm not talking about money. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. Look at this. Not only as we had hoped. Not only. See, we talked about hopes in the first week. But it doesn't stop there. In, in fact, your hope should drive you to action. What I'm hoping for drives me that I am dedicated to this thing. I will see this thing fulfilled. I will act on what I'm hoping. Not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to see fulfillment this year, it's not going to happen outside of Jesus. I don't want to get super spiritual on you. I don't, I don't want to, uh, you know, get all uh, preachy and everything. But whatever you want to do this year, whatever uh, you believe you want to see happen this year, it's not going to happen outside of Jesus. Now, things will happen outside of Jesus, yes. But fulfillment never happens outside of Jesus. And, and what a terrible thing to gain the whole world but lose your own soul. What a terrible thing to be successful at all kinds of stuff but not have Jesus and not be fulfilled. But they first gave themselves to the Lord. We need to dedicate ourselves to the Lord this year. And then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus. That as he had begun, begun, so he would also complete. Wow. See, January is about beginning, starting, freshness, newness. But God never starts without intending to finish. God never starts without. In fact, as we saw, he knows the end from the beginning. Like, before you get started, you should know where you want to end up. The thing that he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Now look at verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but I am uh, testing the sincerity of love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich. For your sakes. He became poor. That you through his poverty. Might become rich. Uh, there might be some sacrifices made. To see the result. That you're believing for this year. Uh, work always has a risk. 
Work always has a risk. And I think that there are two things that keep us from finishing. Well, we start. Number one is risk. The risk of what I'll have to give up and maybe get in return. The risk of the sacrifice. The risk of laying something down. But there's a second thing that I think keeps us from finishing, and I think it's failure. Failure. And this is something for me as a leader that I've, you know, had to work on and, and that I work on continuously with our team, our leadership team, our ministry head. Um, because the last thing you feel like doing when you fail is getting back up and continuing on. We have this nature within us that whatever you fail at, you fear of continuing in. Whatever you fail at, you fear continuing in. I was reading an article um, a couple weeks ago, uh, and it was about how athletes push past injury. And this is something that we don't really relate to a lot because, you know, when you see a guy get injured on the field, uh, you, you, it's hard to relate to the pain that they're processing and enduring. It's, it's hard to really understand what they're going through, what they're feeling. You, uh, you know, you see the injury, but you never see the rehab they have to go through to get back on the field. They don't ever play that stuff. Uh, there's a, a catcher in baseball, plays for the uh, San Francisco Giants. His name is Buster Posey. Uh, great catcher, uh, just all-around great athlete, uh, great kid, graduated from FSU and um, does a phenomenal job. But he got a uh, an injury that should have ended his career. Uh, and, and they actually changed the rule in the sport now, but he was guarding home plate as a guy was coming down the third baseline. And back then, just several years ago, the runner coming into home plate could just plow over the catcher, and it was the catcher's job to hold onto the ball and make sure he tagged the guy out and do the whole thing. But the runner could do whatever he wanted to do to, to work on that catcher to get him to at least lose the ball, drop the ball, lose his concentration, whatever. And so this, this third baseman comes down the line and just nails him, and his ankle snaps up underneath him. I mean, you see the video. It's just brutal. I mean, it just literally... Just his ankle ends up next to his cap. Brutal. Have to be, have to, have to drag him off. And I watched the documentary. I want to say ESPN did it. And um, they, they did a documentary on his rehab and what it took to, to get back. They actually filmed it because we don't see that a whole lot. And the work that he had to put in. I mean, you, you imagine being a healthy athlete, a healthy individual uh, that, that, that can do great things. I mean, the, the, the skill and the ability that this guy had. I mean, he was, he was really a five-tool player, in, in my opinion. Just a great guy. And uh, you imagine going from that to having to wear a cast or walk on crutches or be wheeled around in a wheelchair. I mean, that's just one day you're playing at the highest level and the next day you're wearing a boot or sitting in a wheelchair uh, and people are having to push you around. Just even psychologically what that does to you. And you're wondering if I'm ever going to make it back. You're wondering if I do make it back, what level am I going to be able to, to play at? What level am I going to be able to, to work at? 
And so they did this documentary. And so when I was reading this article, they were talking about how much mentally the athlete has to do to get back on the field, not just physically. Um, One danger that happens in baseball a lot, if you can't tell, I'm a big baseball fan. Um, But one, one injury that happens a lot that's been having a lot recently is pitchers have been had had line drives hit back at them, and they're getting nailed in the head with baseballs. And you're talking 100 mile an hour off the bat, knocking them in the head. And obviously, you know, they're checking for concussion symptoms and all these different kinds of things. But think about, uh, they, they, they showed this one picture one time in film of how he used to pitch prior to the injury and how he pitches now. And he has this automatic defense mechanism that he can't even finish his pitches right because he's concerned about the ball coming back up and hitting him again. How do you overcome that? How do you defeat that? And, and, and see, when we're talking about initiation, you know, I, I, sometimes I feel that we only initiate and we only act up to our feel of, of fear of failure. That sometimes we have trouble getting back on and getting back in after failure. So I'll tell you this year, you know, regardless of what expectation, regardless of what your confidence level is and what you're hoping for this year, there might be some limitations show up. There might be some failure that shows up. There might be some things that take place this year that make you want to quit. And and then even getting back in, you're concerned if you can even, uh, can I even trust in that again? Can I even hope in that? You might be trying to work on your marriage and restoring your marriage, and and it starts moving, it starts growing, and then just another thing drops out. And you're thinking, man, I can't get back in. I can't take the hurt and the pain. And how do you push past this thing? And this is where I want to see us defeat some things. Number one is overcome the risk. Understand that there is a risk. But I'll tell you this right now, the risk of not doing far outweighs the risk of doing. What it will cost you to follow God pales in comparison to what it will cost you if you don't. It doesn't even come close. Yeah, there's a risk. Yeah, there's some things you've got to lay down. Yeah, there's some sacrifices that you'll have to, be, you'll have to make in life, but at the end... Of the day, the cost is worth it. The sacrifice is worth it. It's always worth it to follow God in whatever He's calling you to do. You're not alone. But how do we get past this fear of failure? Look at verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might become rich. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago. That's called intention. Now, intention is good. I just told you that, uh, you know, um, moving forward doesn't happen by accident. If you're going to progress in any area of your life this year, it's going to happen because you're intentional about it. You have to be intentional about moving forward. That means I have an intent. I have a will. I have a desire to grow and to move forward and to progress in this thing. You've got to be intentional. It's not going to happen on accident. But here's the problem. Uh, sometimes our intentions don't become initiated. Intentions must be initiated. He says here what you began to do a year ago, continue to do. 
continue to do. See, sometimes we like the concept of growth, but we don't like the commitment of growth. And you've got to understand that there is always a need for commitment over I was listening to a minister talk one time about his kids were wanting a dog. And uh, his kids, I don't know, they're maybe 9 and 10 and 4 and 5. He had three kids somewhere in that range, 5 to 10 range. And uh, his kids kept bugging him about a dog. Daddy, when can we get a dog? We want a dog. They're picking out dogs. They're looking at dogs. And and he said, you ain't getting a dog. There's no way you're getting a dog. You like the concept of having a dog. But you don't get a dog until you can close the front door when you come in. Because your dog is going to end up in the road, run over by a car. Uh, You you don't get a dog until you can clean your own room. Uh, You know, uh, until you can feed yourself. You know, he's saying, you like the concept. You like the idea of it. But can you handle the commitment of it? Can you handle the commitment that's necessary? See, we like the idea of growth and the idea of progress and the idea of moving forward. But can we handle the commitment it's going to take to see ourselves move to the next level that God has for us? That's the question. It requires commitment. It requires dedication. It requires getting back up after you fail. Uh, uh, I, I know there's things in my own life that I shy away from because I failed at it. Fail miserably. But I tell our team this all the time. You're not a failure. Failing is not failure. Failure doesn't happen until you quit. That's when we've become a failure. If you get back up after failing, you're not a failure. I mean, you, you, you could Google it and find countless stories of individuals that failed Multiple times before they got something right. Thomas Edison. CEOs of large corporations. Billionaires that will tell you, I went bankrupt six times before I made my first million. Failing is not failure. And this is the thing we got to get past. But there's a commitment involved. A commitment to get back up even though we might get knocked down. Your initiation this year, whatever you act on or whatever you put into practice this year, hey, there might be a time at some point that it doesn't pan out. And you have to find a way to get back up. So you've got to have commitment over concept. Verse 10, it's to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago. There's a difference between dreamers and doers. There's a difference between dreamers Endures. There's a difference. Dreaming happens overnight, but doing happens when you wake up. Putting it into action, seeing it come to pass, being fruitful and, and being productive in whatever you put your hand to. Verse 11, but now you also must complete the doing. Look at your neighbor and say, complete the doing. Come on, complete the doing. That as there was a readiness To desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. Look, just uh, as as active you were in desiring it, and and, and just as uh, excited as you were in 
giving the vision to it and dreaming of it. You've been dreaming of that house, but are you going to do what it takes to build the house? Are you, you've been dreaming of that business, but are you going to put into practice what's necessary to see the business through? You've been dreaming of the family, but are you willing to take the right steps to, to make the family the unit that you know it can be? You've been dreaming of that marriage, but is it just dreams? Is it just desires? Or is there doing involved? Are we acting on it? He says, see that you, uh, the, the same excitement. I mean, if I just went around the room and just said, what are you excited about this year? What are you passionate about this year? What are you looking forward to? I'm sure we could all have things. We could all list things. But how are those dreams becoming a reality? How do the dreams not just be a false world that we live in, but the dreams uh, actually become a reality in our life. It's only by action, and it's only by what we put into practice. You can dream of the right marriage, but if you don't practice being the right husband, you won't have the right marriage. Are, are you following me here this morning? The readiness to desire it, there also may be a completion out of what you have. Look at verse 12. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. And this is where limitation shows up. The first thing that shows up when you start stepping out into what God has for you is what you don't have. Or you make this statement, God, I only have. I've done this in my own life, looked at the limitations rather than his greatness through my limitations. We actually talked about it last week when we were talking about Jesus feeding the 5,000. The disciples come to him, and what do they do? They present a problem. People are hungry. And we out here in the middle of nowhere, so we just need to send everybody home to go eat. And he says, well, you give them food. <laughs> I think you love Jesus' solutions. I mean, you know... I. My pastor was that way, Pastor Earl. When, when I was on staff with him, uh, we would present a problem, and he would present uh, another problem, it seemed like. <laughs> that, that's not a solution. You just gave me another problem. Okay, we need to send them all away. You give them food. Don't give me another problem. Give me a solution. But Jesus was actually giving a solution. And so they say, well, we only have five loaves and two fish. Isn't that what we do with God? God, I only have this paycheck. God, I only have this amount of influence. God, I only have this kind of spouse. God, this, these are the kids you gave me, man. This, I'm doing the best I can with these kids. Give me some different kids, please. I could do that if you gave me their kids. I want their kids. And again, like we said last week, you're watching their highlight reel and you're comparing. You're behind the scenes. You're thinking, man, they get them out in public. Look at those kids just acting all great. You don't know what happens when they get them in the car. You don't know the, the, uh, the uh, you know, I don't know where I was going with that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you know the threats that happened in the car before they, I wish my kids would go to church like that, man. They just, they just look so good, and, and you, it was hell in the car getting to church this morning. You don't know. You're thinking that their highlight reel is they're behind the scenes and they just got it all going on and you're wondering why your life doesn't match up. Amen? So we've got to understand that 
you've got to initiate some things in your life if you're going to see those things unfold. You don't need something different. You just need to see it different. Many times it's our perspective that changes what we do. I don't need a different situation. I just need to see my situation differently. I don't need a a different marriage. I need to see my marriage differently. I don't need a different job. I just need to see my job differently. If we could change our perspective, I can promise you, you'll change your product. Amen. I'm not going to read the story. You know the story in Joshua chapter 6 we see, uh, and, and you've got it in front of you there. That can be your homework for this week, your reading assignment. But in Joshua chapter 6, we, we see where Joshua is, is leading the Israelite army that uh, wandered around for 40 years. I don't know how many of you, maybe 2015 was just a year of wandering for you. Uh, we're just going in circles. We're not gaining any ground. We're not advancing. We're, we're not even seeing the things that God promised. They were wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And, and then we uh, get Joshua, a change of command. And God finally gets them over into the promised land, and he gets them to the first battle to Jericho. Jericho. And God's answer for Jericho, that is shut up by walls, is to walk. Now you're thinking, God, we've been walking. We've been, we've done been walking 40 years. We've been doing plenty of walking, really, you know, 20 years for these individuals that he has, because uh, only 20 and older could come out. For 20 years, they've been wandering around, and his answer is, do some walking. Do some walking. And they had to walk around this thing, and and what what stood out to me, and, and you'll see it in the story, that Joshua never told the men how many days or how many times they were going to walk around the walls. Joshua knew. Man, I, that's one of the things that I hate. That's why, I, I, you know, when I go to the gym, I, I hate it when people put me on timed things. Like, here, just uh, jump rope for 30 seconds. I'll tell you when to stop. I'm like, no, give me the clock, man. I need to know when 30, I need to know when I'm at 20 and I can, because that is the hardest thing in the world to keep going and you don't know how much time you have left or how much further you need to go. That, that's one of the hardest feelings. And so you got these men that are just walking and, you know, probably after three or four days you're thinking, you know, these walls ought to, if this was going to work, it should have worked by now. Isn't that what we do? I've been doing this long enough. This thing should have come down. This situation should have, I've been I've been walking in love to my wife uh, for long enough. There ought to be some response now. Uh, I've been doing this with my kids for long enough. They ought to be. Re- and, and, and after about three days and four days and five days, you're thinking, how much longer are we going to go? And then you get on the seventh day. And on the seventh day, they got to go around seven times. And imagine if they would have stopped on six. Right? Imagine if they would have given up right before the end. This is one thing that I've realized when I'm progressing, that every test and every trial is there for my advancement not to knock me down. Your advancement this year, your miracle this year, is one test away. One test away. Will you endure that test? 
Will you endure that trial? Will you get back up after that failure? Will you, will you continue to believe in God even when the experience is different than your expectation? Will you continue progressing and moving forward in the things of God? Because your answer is one test away. See, we, we loathe the test. I mean, we were taught this in high school to, to hate tests in grade school. Some of us before that. I hate those tests, man. But you can't advance without the test. That's why it's called an advancement exam. This is to determine, did we learn what we needed to learn back here so that we could advance up here? Because there's no getting to the ninth grade until we pass the exam for eighth grade. And it's not there to keep you in the eighth grade. It's there to move you into the ninth grade. Isn't that interesting? That maybe if I just change my perspective of the trial, I would get a different. I welcome the tests in my life because when I pass that test, it'll prove that I can make it to the next level, to the next layer, to the next thing that God has for me. We want great faith, but we don't want the trials that produce the great faith. We look at people in the Bible and we think, man, Abraham, what a man of faith. Noah, what a man of faith. You don't want to be Noah building a big boat for a hundred years, people calling you stupid, and, 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 and it hasn't even rained on the earth. I mean, couldn't you just at least just bring a little sprinkle or a shower or something just so people know we're moving on the right track? I mean, you don't have to flood the place just yet. Just bring a little shower, just a little spring shower, you know, just throw some... Drop some water out of the sky just so everybody knows, hey, I'm not crazy. See? But no. It doesn't rain the first drop until the boat's completed. You don't want to be Abraham, 75 years old, uh, building a baby crib and preparing the nursery in the back. And people are like, what you doing, man? You don't even have any kids. You can't have kids. There's no way. Right? We don't, we don't want to be Paul, who, who, who said, you know, gave us his resume in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I was shipwrecked. I was beaten this many times. I was stoned. I was left for dead. I mean, they killed me, and I still got back up. And on top of that, my daily concern for the churches. And we see the increase, and we see the books he wrote, and the revelation that came, but at a cost. At a price. With some trials. See, what's the point of the faith if we're not going to work out the faith in the midst of a trial? You're going to have some trials. That's not me speaking gloom and doom over you. Jesus said, in this life, there will be trials and tribulations. But, be of good cheer. Put on the smile. Hope you brush your teeth. Get Get them all nice and glossed up for you because you're going to be smiling while you're enduring. It's those that endure unto the end that shall be saved. Some endurance, some pressing, some perseverance, some pushing through. I believe that this is your year of pushing through. But the pushing through doesn't come without something to push through. Don't let the trial set you back. Let it 
push you forward. Let the trial be the very thing that causes you to move forward into everything that God has for you this year. What are we going to act on in 2016? So that expectation that we talked about in the first week is still our expectation in the fifth week. Still our expectation in the 20th week. It's still our expectation in August. And still our expectation in September. Still our expectation in November. And even when we get down to December and everything's winding down, we are finishing strong. Why? Because the pressure is the greatest at the finish line. I've never really felt like quitting when I started. I usually feel like quitting when I'm in it for a while. The pressure is the greatest when you're that much closer. I believe that you'll see the pressure grow. You'll see the weight gain. You'll, 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 not naturally. Not now. I know that. I know one of your resolutions is to lose weight. I'm talking about the weight of, of life may come on and start pressing. But I'm telling you right now, if you push, if you endure. Uh, uh, I was just talking with someone about this yesterday. I was just talking. can't remember the conversation. I can't remember where I was going. But I, I found out that if we can push through the transition period and the trials and the struggles, the miracle is right on the other side. I, I want you to understand today that it's always within your reach. It's as much effort as you're willing to put in that will determine the, pro, the, the product you see. Amen. Do you believe that with me today? Do you believe that even though the pressure shows up, that there is something I need to act on? There's something I need to put work to, and it's just on the other side. You know, uh, trials do such a funny thing. It makes it feel like it's so far away, and it could literally be right on the other side. It's right there. I believe that God wants to show us today, Chase, if you come up. I believe that God wants to show us. At any limitation, at any trial, anything that oppresses you and opposes you this year is there for your benefit and his glory, not to bring you down. Not to bring you down. He doesn't bring tests and trials. He allows tests and trials. You need to know that your God is a good God. Your God is a good God. John 10.10 tells us that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy but I have come Jesus said that you may have life and life more abundantly God can't bring a test and a trial he can't bring the struggle but he can bring the answer he'll allow that thing to show up because he wants you to know that he's working in you and through you for his glory Jesus said this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God that God will be revealed through the Son of Man. I wonder who God is trying to reveal himself through to in your life. There might be a co-worker you work with that's just been watching you. You keep talking about Jesus and you keep talking about how good he is and you keep talking about church and you keep inviting them and, and you keep saying, you know, you need to go to church with me. And, and they're saying, well, I want to know if this thing's real. I want to know if he's really that good to you. And they've been watching your life. And they, there might be trials and tests and they're thinking, yep, see, they, they endure the same stuff. But you're making it through. 
And God will will receive the glory. And God will receive the praise. And they'll say, man, your God is real. Man, your God, yeah, he does come through for you. Yeah, we all were worried about our jobs, but you never got worried. You never got concerned. You knew that he was going to pull through. You you were worried. Uh, you know, we were all worried that we were going to have to take a pay cut, and, and you, you weren't affected by that. They're watching you. See, it's not just about us. It's not just about us. The, the, the resolutions and the change and the goals and the things you want to see in your life this year, it's not about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. Amen? So let's persevere. Let's endure. Let's initiate. Let's act on what God has called us to do. And I believe we will see the reward and the product He's promised us. Amen? Father, we thank You this morning that You are good. You are holy. You are powerful. Father, all that we have comes from you. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by your spirit, says the Lord. And we thank you that you're working in us and through us to accomplish great things for your kingdom. And, Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you are moving in our lives, that you are moving uh, in our families, you're moving in our homes, you're moving even in our jobs and in our finances this year. And, Father, as we put into practice... And as we act on the expectation that we have this year, Father, I thank you that we will uh, have the ability to endure through whatever may try to come against us. Whatever may try to show up, whatever may try to bring us down, we don't see it as something that will knock us down. We see it as as something that will move us forward. We look ahead to all the great things you have for us. We speak blessing over this year. We stay encouraged, even in the midst of trial. We don't lose heart. We keep our hands to the plow, not looking back. And we believe that we will see that which you have spoken over our lives. We give you all the glory, and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you need an offering envelope, just raise your hand. Our ushers will get you one. Hallelujah. We appreciate your giving, your sowing. Your tithe and offering. Hallelujah. As you are faithful to give and contribute, participate financially in all that God uh, has brought to you, uh, it helps us continue to do ministry, continue to drive forward in what He's called us to do. Amen. I believe this is the year of, of growth uh, uh, financially, not just for our church, for you individually. You need to believe that. I don't know how many times I've talked to someone and, and, and they have said that, you know, on paper it shouldn't be happening. On paper it shouldn't be showing up. But somehow, some way, I mean, that's God. I tell you what, when we put trust in Him, it's far, will you agree with me, it's far better than putting trust in our government? Yeah? Uh, putting trust in our economy? Putting trust in the jackpot and the Powerball? Amen. You already have the Powerball. His name is Jesus. He is the Lord. He is the provider. He knows what you need before you even ask. And He's already lined out how He's going to get it to you. Hallelujah. So I believe this is a year of increase for our church and for our families. And we speak that over this year. Father, we thank You. It's Your blessing. You're moving in our finances, moving in our lives. As we honor You, With all that you have given to us, we know that 
Our jobs, that's not our source. Our business isn't our source. Our paycheck isn't our source. You are the source. And we place all trust and dependency upon you. And I thank you that if we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, all the things that are necessary for our life will follow us, will be added to us. We give you the glory and praise for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As the ushers are...